The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist, and I'm on a mission to find food truth and connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture. And today it is my pleasure to welcome Harriet Bihar. Harriet is an organic specialist. She works for the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, better known as MOSES. And I think it would be best if I asked Harriet to tell us what exactly you do as an organic specialist. And welcome, by the way. Hello. Well, I do quite a few different things. I run an organic info line where farmers call me, and it's a toll-free line. I don't usually answer backyard gardener questions because it's a little bit different, but for farmers. And I help them understand organic practices and help them understand the certification process. I also am involved in, in policy work. I go to Washington periodically. I attend meetings with the National Organic Program and try to keep them honest. And uh, I help put on field days and seminars and workshops, and I help run our very large conference that happens every year in La Crosse, Wisconsin, the last weekend in February. Well, Harriet, I have to ask you about your hotline, your organic info line. Is that open to any farmer that might be listening to this program, or do you limit the calls to the Midwest region? No, I answer any and all calls. Uh, although if someone calls me from Alabama and wants to know where they can buy organic chicken food, well, I try to find an organization in Alabama or nearby that could help them because I don't have as much knowledge in those areas. But if they, they call and they, they want to know specific growing practices and I can't help them, no problem. You know, you're a wealth of information. That is such an important service, and I'm so glad. I want to tell our listeners what that number is. Sure. Okay. Okay. Do you want to give it to them? Oh, sure. 888-551-4769. Perfect. Okay, so this is the organic info line, and it's 888-551-4769. That's right. Excellent. Okay, now, you mentioned something about, you know, you're involved in the certification process and you help farmers get through that process. I have to tell you, you know, sometimes farmers will say to me, well, I don't want to mess with that certification process. It costs a lot of money. It's just another government program. And they seem resistant to it. And I try to tell them how really very important it is to be certified and that good farmers keep good records anyway. What would you say to a farmer who was reluctant to get certified? Well, I guess first I'll talk about the money. And there actually is cost share from the federal government, which covers three-quarters of the cost of the certification. So really, <clears throat> it's, it's very minimal cost because you can get that money refunded to you like a rebate. Great. So if you, let's say you pay $500 to get certified, you get $375 back. Wow. So that, that's a, an important aspect to know. The other thing is, is that certification, as organic should be, is a continuous improvement process. And so maybe you don't want somebody coming out there and just pointing out maybe some of your weaknesses, but it is very valuable to have someone come on your farm and kind of encourage you to be to keep doing the right thing 
And then if you have some issues, they can't be necessarily a consultant to you, the organic inspector I'm talking about. Right. But they can talk to you about resources of places where you could learn more, maybe suggest that, you know, there's things here that you could be doing. They can talk to you about the organic regulation, which is very much built upon this continuous improvement process where you are really looking at your your farm as a holistic system and how you can do something in one way that can then help the entire system function better. And, you know, I think from a consumer standpoint, I really like it when a farmer has their certification out on their tables at a farmer's market so that I don't have any questions. You know, I don't have to ask, well, do you spray or how do you fertilize or how do you know how are you farming exactly? I just look at the certification and I know that they're doing things as best they can. Well, and and there are many home gardener kind of products out there that are labeled quote unquote organic. Mhm. And the USDA under the organic program only oversees food products with that organic label. And so miracle Grow, for instance, sells an organic, quote-unquote, potting mix. And it is not approved for organic production. Wow. But they get away with using the word organic on there because it contains carbon. So if you go back to your organic chemistry... That's right. um, and, And because the USDA program, which monitors the organic word only monitors it on food or fiber for humans or livestock, mm-hmm. well, then that's where the fertilizer people kind of have a little entryway into the market. And believe me, they want to use that word organic on there because they know it has a, a, a very positive view in the marketplace. Right. So this is where the organic certification comes in, where you have someone, you can call your certification agency, ask them, is this okay, is this not okay, and there's a lot of things, you know, in your potting mix that isn't even on the label. Many times those have been fumigated to kill weed seeds or kill pathogens. They have all kinds of wetting agents and who knows what is synthetic fertilizers in there. And even going back to seed, there's even genetically modified seeds for vegetables out there. There's all kinds of seed treatments that actually have very strict warning labels. On the packages, and and I I don't believe that most gardeners, when they're handling their sweet corn, go in the house and put on rubber gloves and and wear dust masks, but that's really what they should be doing if they're handling treated seed. Mm -hmm. But those would not be allowed in organic. And a lot of times people who are not certified, you just don't assume that you have to ask a question about everything, but you do. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I remember asking a farmer once at a farmer's market what kind of, practices they had and as the season evolved I learned more and more about the their growing practices but there was also an assumption that something like seven dust for example was safe you know oh I grow organically but yeah I use a little seven dust and I'm thinking wow I wish you were certified because then you'd know that seven dust actually would not be an approved substance no and the problem with many of those insecticides, whether you might consider them safe or not, is that they don't work in a system. And so when you put this brand name product 7 on your plants to kill bad bugs, you're also killing the good bugs, Right. which then makes it so um, there's no predators for the bad bugs, and so then they get 
those bad bugs, they're much more opportunistic and, and kind of stronger than the good bugs. Right. So they, their populations explode because they have nothing keeping them in check except you putting on seven constantly. Right. And so an organic farmer would look at those bugs and say, hmm, maybe I need to order beneficial insects or maybe I need to grow some plants nearby to encourage beneficials to live here on my farm and be my army of crop protectants rather than paying the chemical companies for sprays. Exactly. You know, I I recently read an article in the New York Times. It was about a a report warning about chemicals and cancer. And there was a recommendation in that report. I believe it was the president's, there was a president's committee on cancer. And there was a specific recommendation for organic food. Yes. Well, because now we don't live in a clean world. And organic is actually not based on product testing or testing the soil. It is based on the farmer putting in a plan and having someone come out to their farm, inspect it and verify that they're following the plan and that it meets the organic regulation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where I live here in western Wisconsin, even though my county bans atrazine, it rains atrazine on us in very, very, very small, small, small quantities. But they're spraying atrazine in Iowa over the Mississippi River west of me, and it goes up into those rain clouds, and it rains on my farm. Yeah. And so could you find residue? Maybe not on my land, but if you tested that rainwater, you would. Yeah. I and always... so we don't, so that's why organic is not based in testing. Right. And we don't live, but but you're not going to find, if if I don't use those toxins on my farm, you're not going to find them in the food. Whereas when people are directly applying those materials to the food that they're growing, you're going to find more residue. Yeah, you know, I like to tell people that Mother Nature has no gated communities (laughs) in that, you know, if you spray in one area, eventually it's going to end up in another. Well, there's PCBs and the penguins in, in Antarctica. Exactly. Yeah, we've got to make some changes, and I think organic agriculture is the way to go. I like one of the things that you said to me before we had this, before we started our interview. We were, we were emailing back and forth, and you said that you wanted to talk about how important it is for consumers to be involved. And I think that's a really important message. It's not just about the farmer. It's also about the consumer and the consumer push to keep organic standards strict and from weakening. Absolutely. And not only that, the consumer's really need to understand where their food is coming from and that when they pay more for organic food, they're also paying to have a cleaner Mississippi River, a cleaner, uh, you know, cleaner air. You know, they, they won't have atrazine, you know, falling in the rain, right. you know, from, you know, from, from a, a neighboring state. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all live downstream from each other. And so organic farming contributes to not just lessened use of toxic chemicals, but it also contributes to a type of farming that works in harmony with the entire ecosystem. Because organic farmers also understand the benefits of biodiversity. They see birds and bats and and, and insects and pollinators like the honeybees as being extremely important, and they they set aside places on their farm for wildlife and, and insects 
to thrive because they see we are not alone. We need the entire ecosystem to produce food and to have a healthy life. Absolutely. You know, we should probably also talk about what organic is and what it isn't. One of the things that just drives me crazy is that when I see this word natural, you know, oh, our animals get natural feed, natural grains. And I think in the Midwest, that pretty much means GMO corn and soy. And people, I don't think, naturally understand or inherently understand the difference between natural and organic. And there's a huge divide. So do you want to address that a little bit? Sure. Well, the, the main thing is um, natural has no definition, and organic does. Right. Um, natural, anybody could say something's natural, and there would be nobody who'd come down on them and say, how can you use that word when you're not? I mean, personally, I would think a GMO is natural. It's a novel um, life form. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. in nature, um, unless somebody makes it in a laboratory. Right. And it's, it's actually the same thing with local. Well, who's defining local? If you talk to a Cargill, they might say if it's grown on the, you know, on north in North America, we're going to consider that local. Right. Because we might be getting grain from Argentina as well. <laughs> right. So what, whose definition of local? The only way really for the consumer to know is to ask. But how can you ask if it's like on a processed product in a grocery store? Right. You're not going to have that information. So, so natural doesn't have a definition. And I, I like to compare it to what the USDA says for eggs. The word fresh on eggs has nothing to do with how old the egg is. <sighs> it just means it's never been cooked. Oh, wow. And actually, the word natural on meat does have a definition. And that definition is it has not been marinated or salted or anything done to it after it's been cut up and, and, and put in the package or, or before it's put in the package. It has absolutely nothing to do with the way the animal was raised, what they ate, what their living conditions were, what their health products that they had received. You could have a natural beef animal that was raised in a feedlot and given antibiotics. That's right. <laughs> and 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 slaughtered and cut up into steak, but they didn't marinate the steak, and then they could put the word natural on there. That's right. It's a post-production term, as I understand it. That's and right. yet, That's a good way to put it. From a consumer's perspective, the word natural may have many other connotations that unfortunately do not bear truth. Correct. I have to just take a break here and let our listeners know that we are talking with Harriet Bihar. Harriet is an organic specialist extraordinaire. She works for the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service. She has a wonderful organic info line, and I'll give that number again. It's one 551 4769 and we are talking about some of the confusing terms in the marketplace and not just in the supermarket even at farmers markets where people really mean well but there might be some confusion about terminology I'll give you an example I was at a farmers market and this was on the east coast and there were peaches and I asked if the peaches were raised organically or grown organically and the farmer said no ma'am we grow our food sustainably and I said, hmm, so what does that mean? And I said, well, how many pesticides do you apply? And he listed off four pesticides and a fungicide. So there you have it. 
another word that's misused in addition to natural, the whole word sustainable. You know, Monsanto says that it, that it's sustainable and it produces genetically modified seeds. So what's a consumer to do? Well, consumers need to understand the difference between a term that has no legal definition and a term that does have a legal definition and a verification program behind it. And that would be the organic That term. is organic. That's exactly right. But not only do they need to understand that, that one has a, a verification system and one does not, but that organic is really the gold standard for food production in that it doesn't only look at the food production. Like I said, it's looking at the entire ecosystem. Right. And for many years, I was an organic inspector, and I visited thousands of organic farms in the upper Midwest. I was in Missouri, too, Kansas, and Illinois, and Iowa, and Wisconsin. And these farmers are really striving to build their soil and improve their, their environment, both below ground and above ground, so their children or whoever takes over the farm in the future, they're leaving it in a better place. They're having a biological life be stronger and healthier, whereas conventional farmers, with their use of toxic chemicals, kill soil life, and they go through and they tear up waterways, and they grow from fence row to fence row. They don't leave any room for wildlife because they're looking just at a short-term goal. We need to make money this year. Right. And the organic farmer is looking... What can I do 10 years from now? What can I, you know, what I do now is going to affect me 10 years, 20 years down the road. And they have this long-term plan. And that's what the consumers really should be thinking about when they want to, you know, vote with their dollars when they buy food. I agree. And we should probably let consumers know that, you know, many people do not want toxic chemicals on their food. They don't want their animals raised with antibiotics and hormones. And even though we don't have a labeling system in place in the United States, if you if you live in Europe, you, you have a label on your food that says whether or not it's genetically modified. But Americans don't have that right to know. But I always say to people that if you want to avoid all of the above, the best way to do that is to look for the certified organic product. Well, that's all we have in the marketplace. That's right. That's, that's all we have. Harriet, I should ask you something. I know this might take the rest of the time for the show, but I think it's really important. You've worked for a long time in this business. You've worked with organic farmers in transition. You've worked with farmers who are doing seed cleaning, and you've worked with certainly answering questions from all over the country. What do you think about GMO crops? Well, I take issue with the USDA saying there is no difference between genetically modified corn and non-genetically modified corn. And we are just starting to get some information about that. The problem is when people plant that patented seed, and that's another problem is that farmers can't save seed anymore. They, you know, Monsanto or Syngenta owns the patent for that life form. Um, when they plant that, they sign a contract, and it says that you will not, that the, the, who's ever planting or harvesting or using this product will not test it for certain characteristics, like nutrition, like palatability, or, or anything. 
basically only the patent holder can have knowledge of that corn. Although we have a lot of anecdotal evidence that, for instance, that corn, it is not as palatable for the animals. And uh, I was recently at a farm show where someone showed me photographs, and they said I was at a neighbor, and he had a bag of GMO corn on the cob, and he had a bag of non-GMO corn. And the mice in his shed, you know, the mice ate the non-GMO corn and then didn't even touch the GMO corn. Hmm. <laughs> even the mice know. Right. And if when you're feeding GMO corn, let's say, to cattle, which they probably shouldn't be eating it anyway, but let's say you're going to, or even pigs or chickens, a lot of times you have to add molasses to the ration because the animal, it doesn't taste good. Mm. It also has a higher concentration of lignin, so it's not as palatable. It's like eating straw, but it can resist Roundup. <laughs> right. And that's its main goal. Its main goal is not more nutrition. Its main goal is not that it's going to be good food for, for people. No, its main goal is that you can spray Roundup on the crop, which makes more money for the chemical companies who own the patents, and away you go. You know, I remember we had had a conversation about the farmer that you visited who could tell by the smell oh, yes. of the soybeans. Yes, this was at a plant where they extruded soybeans, where they, they took in farmer's soybeans, and they kind of ground them up, and they squeezed the oil out of them. And the plant would then give that cake of the, the beans that was left over after that squeezing to the farmer, and they could make livestock feed mm-hmm. out of it. Um, but he found, the person who ran, he, what he did is he did this, this grinding and squeezing for free because he kept the oil. And so he sold the oil, and that's how he made his money. And I was there looking at, um, he was doing some organic production. I was there as an organic inspector. He had a big sign up that said, no GMO soybeans allowed in this plant. And I asked him about that, and he said, well, we, we run the organic once a week, you know, or once a month, and we clean everything up. But those GMO soybeans, they burn when I'm trying to grind them. Mm. They just don't cook the same, and they smell awful. And when I was there, he said, hold on. He went running out into the plant. We were looking at his paperwork, and... And he, he started yelling at this farmer, <laughs> saying, those are Roundup Ready soybeans you brought me. I can smell them. Wow. And he was very upset. And they didn't have, they had about one quarter the amount of oil in them as regular soybeans did. Interesting. So they were not the same. Right. I think it's tragic that the farmers have to sign a contract saying that they won't test it. No. And then, so how can research be done even with between farmers and, say, university people? The only research being done is by the, chemical, by the companies that own the patents. Well, well, Harriet, we have a couple of minutes left. I knew our time would fly. But I want you to just think about what you might want to tell consumers in terms of what can we do to help organic farmers. Would you leave us with a charge, if you will? <laughs> Well, I think they should go to their local farmer's market and support 
the certified organic farmers who are there, for the farmers that are not certified, I think they need to kind of ask them, you know, what they're doing, why they don't get certified, and kind of put the pressure on them to, to kind of go through the process. In the end, it will be a good thing for the farmer and, of course, a good thing for the consumer because then that word organic has meaning. Mm-hmm. And I would even do that not just at the farmer's market, but go to your grocery store. Talk to people at your restaurant. And if you see organic salad mix on the, on the menu, thank the, the restaurant for, for doing that and supporting organic farmers because we all share the same planet. And, and we need to, to take charge, like you said, and make sure that we are helping lead it in the correct place because for the past 40 years, we've been heading down a road and we know where that's taken us with global warming and pollution and cancer and all the horrible things. Right. But I'm optimistic that we can turn it around. Oh. And organic farmers actually ha- can get the same yields or even higher yields than conventional farmers. And so we can feed the world with organic agriculture. That's a wonderful message to leave our listeners with. I want to thank you so much, Harriet, for shedding some light on organic farming and organic food. We've been speaking with Harriet Bihar. She's an organic specialist with the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service. She's based in Wisconsin. There's a wonderful meeting at the end of February. If you go to the Moses website, simply www.mosesorganic.org, you can learn more. And if you'd like to speak with Harriet and have access to an organic info line, that number is 888-551-4769. Thank you, Harriet. You're very welcome. And thank you, listeners. Just a reminder that Food Sleuth Radio is produced at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri.